0: Uh, greetings soma friends and and family those who are listening here in the city and wherever else you may be thanks for tuning in again to our podcast discussion as always I'm joined by Pastor Andrew Hughes from his palatial estate on the northwest side of Indianapolis Hello, Andrew. <laughs> Good to see you again like likewise. <laughs> And uh, back, joining us again, Pastor Nate Dunlevy, after a, a brief hiatus due to cough. Nate, it's good <laughs> to have you back on here.
1: Thanks. It's good to be back, guys.
0: So we have been over the last few weeks discussing our series, The, the Cross and the Christian Life, what would be our sermons that one of us would be preaching on sundays we've taken this opportunity of um, social distancing to uh, turn that into a discussion between the three of us and and hopefully that's provided um, a different a different feel to these topics and and these themes that we are talking about um, and 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 to to summarize this series what we have been doing is looking at how the the cross of jesus christ um the historical event and the the uh the biblical uh focus of the cross the centrality of the cross gives us both perspective and power in all the different things that we face in life and we've we've talked about um uh, specifically how the cross speaks to this crisis, this pandemic that we're experiencing right now. We've talked about how the cross gives us perspective and power on loving our enemies, uh, being people who practice forgiveness in the face of, of a hurt and persecution. We've talked about um, the cross in light of discipleship and understanding uh, as we follow Jesus who we are and what it means to uh, live a life of self-giving, that we're not just people who are introspective navel-gazers, but people that as we begin to discover who God has made us to be and the kind of life that he has called us to live, that that in turn pushes us outside of ourselves to lay down our lives. For others. And we come to our topic today, which is the last in this series. And we are going to discuss over the next few minutes how the cross gives us perspective and power to endure suffering. And so uh, I just want to say up front we are swimming in the deep end of the pool here. Um, almost all, if not all, Cultures throughout history have sought to provide its members with an explanation of life that attempts to give meaning to the experiences of pain and suffering. I mean, if you think about all of the great religious and, and philosophical thinkers throughout history, uh, as an essential part of their teachings, of their um, their directives have been on the meaning of pain and suffering. And so, um, Nate and Andrew, I just want to start this discussion by asking you just a very simple question. Why is it so important to talk about pain and suffering? Why is this something that we as people who claim to know truth and claim to follow the way that really leads to life, why is it important that we should talk about pain and suffering.
1: Bobby, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that suffering is an inherent part of the nature and experience of God himself. Revelation 13.8 tells us the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, which means that God's suffering predates creation. Therefore, there's no way to know God himself the eternal almighty God, the knowledge of whom Jesus calls eternal life. There is no way to know God, to have relationship with God, to understand him on any level that absolves you from suffering because he himself suffered. He was slain. He was sacrificed before the world was even founded. So it makes suffering such an inherent part of God that it has to be part of our experience as well, which is why Paul says in Philippians, I want to know Christ and share in the fellowship of his suffering, because there is no knowledge of God. There is no eternal life that does not involve suffering.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I want to come back to that statement by the apostle Paul here later in our discussion, but, um, that that leads me to a bigger question and, and I don't mean this to be some kind of esoteric uh philosophical uh how many angels or dance can dance on the head of a pin type of question <laughs> but it, if the, if that is true then that we cannot know god we cannot truly know our creator apart from pain apart from suffering how how can we how do we answer the question then is is suffering good or evil is, is it both um you know sometimes you hear people talk about suffering and their pain being a gift is that is that an accurate thing to say how 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 do we make sense of that question
1: i think that uh, the core way that I think about it, is that while we suffer, the pain is real, and it hurts, and there's a sense in which that is uh, an evil thing that happens to us. That pain, however, can serve a higher purpose, a value as well. It is a necessary part of what happens to us. Um, There is no way, for example, to understand God as healer unless you 've been broken if you have ne- if you if you never had anything that was broken in you, you would never know God as healer. This is why the scriptures say angels long to look into the salvation that we 've been provided right like they don 't know God as savior they don 't know God as redeemer, they don 't know God as healer, they don 't know God as rescuer, nobody wants to be rescued <laughs> being rescued means that you were lost that you were captured that you were enslaved that you were in a pit like whatever metaphor you want to use for what you need to be rescued from the bottom line is it's really bad (laughs) and it's really awful to experience that but without that experience you don't ever get to know the joy of God rescuing you, the joy of God saving you. And so angels who don't experience these things, and we think, oh man, angels, what, what an incredible experience. They're with God and they're with his presence and the wings and the, and the holy, holy, holy and all the things that angels do. They don't understand and they long to understand what we get to understand by virtue of the fact that we have suffered. And that's in no ways denies the reality of the pain I think it calls us back to the fact that Christ's pain is even more uh intense and real than anything that that we experienced i mean this is why we celebrate Good Friday right because that was that was real pain your your pain, my pain, our pain at this moment those are all real pains, but christ's pain even more intense uh, visceral and ultimately permanent in the sense that uh, he experiences that outside of time. Um, that's real pain. And he, he knows it better than we ever will.
2: And you see you see God working this way in the lives of his people all through the scriptures. Um, some obvious examples, uh, Joseph from Hannah's kids lesson this morning, you know, God, God uh, speaks about what his brothers did. It says, you meant it for evil, but I meant it for good. And so we see that uh, Evil is absolutely a, a, uh, a part of the human experience. Um, I was actually, when I was thinking about this, I went to Genesis and the curse and God says, by the sweat of your brow, you will do your work. And to Eve, uh, in pain, you'll bring forth children. Uh, Nate, you went up to me by going to Revelation 13. <laughs> showing how suffering was part of the experience, you know, part of God's experience before the foundation of the world, even. Um, but uh, we see all throughout scripture, God using suffering, for the good of his people and for the furthering of his, of his glory. We saw it in our series on Exodus uh, with God delivering his people out of really difficult things. And they get on the other side of the river and they sing to God in worship um, because he's delivered them. They would not have known that deliverance. Um, and, and the people whose lands they would go through uh, after that point would not know the deliverance of God uh, apart from the suffering that they went through before that.
1: Right. There's no Exodus without slavery and and that can seem almost harsh or trite right and it and it can seem like a a thing that people just say, but when we um when we have experienced suffering both personally and as a people and i th- and I think our little community has had more than its share um of suffering recently. we don't say these things like just as an intellectual exercise, we say them, knowing that the things we experience, our God experienced first. And as awful as they are, they bring us life. And that, that sounds contradictory, or that may sound impossible, but I—I um, I, I think that's the—that's the mystery of the cross, right? That—that that we call it Good Friday, and it was the most wicked day in human history but it was also good friday and we experience good friday in our own lives on a regular basis and some of us are experiencing it right now in the middle of um, this quarantine
0: when we think about our little community and some of those experiences of suffering i think about you know people who have experienced loss um the death of of a child, of a loved one, uh, a, a very close friend. I think about the loss uh, that people have experienced um, in their jobs and, and loss of, of dreams. And uh, I think about betrayal, um, uh, marriages that have experienced betrayal, uh, friendships uh, oh. where people have experienced betrayal, uh, physical, Suffering, um, people that are wrestling with chronic uh, and experience, experiencing chronic health um, health ailments, um, people who've experienced persecution because they follow Jesus and and have experienced um, uh, just uh, different kinds of loss because of that. As we think about what. And even just in our own lives, this is not just an out there thing that we're talking to other people about, but even in our own lives and the pain and the suffering that we've experienced, what are some of the struggles? What are some of the doubts about God that we experience while we suffer? What, what, are, what are some of those things that are innate to our condition um, in suffering that we need to call out and just say, like, yeah, this is, this is normal. This is what people feel when they suffer
1: I know that um the most basic of those people always want to know you know is God good does he love me is he still there (laughs) is he still there um and that is just a that is just a thing to feel and the that is a real feeling it's been shared with people um all over the world throughout all of time right i mean this is this is sort of job's (coughs) job's cry is to go back to god and be like hey i thought you loved me you know i thought we were in this together where are you right now i know in our life one of the ways in which it manifested (coughs) itself is a um a sense in which you start to almost believe that god has caught callous not that he's not sovereign not that um he doesn't have a plan, but just that his plan is so brutal and his plan will cost me so much that I just don't have any hope. So I remember Deb will tell a story about a time after watching so many, so many people that we loved sort of commit horrible acts and not repent. And she was in. A situation where we were praying for somebody's repentance and in her own heart she was like yeah but they're not going to they're not going to repent you know god like she knew full well god had the power to change this heart but she just felt like he wasn't going to he's not going to do that um not that he's not capable not that he's not good or whatever but just like things are horrible and they're always so horrible that surely god won't do something good in this situation and that's a real consequence of continued suffering that you don't even doubt god's power you just sort of doubt his willingness like he's just like nah he's just doing his own thing and it's going to hurt us and it doesn't really matter how we feel about it um that's a lie that's an untrue thing that we can believe about god because of our own suffering
0: i was reading this week um psalm 22 that you know messianic Psalm and um just the first you know five or six verses of that psalm um the the cries of uh David to God really encompasses a lot of the experiences and the doubts and the you know when we when we experience suffering, you know this sense of being forsaken by God that yeah. our prayers are not heard by God, that they're just kind of disappearing up in the air. We, we feel isolated and alone from others that we're, that we're suffering by ourselves. And then the people who are around us mock us or reject us or just you know pile on and make things worse. And there's this real sense of despair in yeah. reading this psalm that there's just nothing left to give i you know there's this yeah. psalmist it's like i'm experiencing this and and i just i can't go on i just can't do yeah. this anymore this is just too much and i think it just speaks to the fact that like you know pain and suffering are the great equalizer in the world you know it's like it doesn't matter how much money you have or how many degrees or where you live or um, or whatever it's like Pain and suffering are are common to the to the human experience, and there's something about pain and something about suffering that brings us to this really visceral sense that we've lost control. That that any modicum of control that we've that we've you know kind of structured into our lives, that's when pain and suffering comes. That that control just seems to dissipate, Um, and that self sufficiency that we were so comfort comfortable in we realized that to be very insufficient um, yeah, and, and and it's just common it's common to everybody
1: well i think the, the beautiful part about psalm 22 you know which starts out my god my god why have you forsaken me that of course these are the words that jesus says on the cross and the psalms in those days weren't numbered so if you wanted to quote a psalm if you wanted to say hey think about psalm 23 you'd say the lord is my shepherd if you wanted to say you know think about whatever psalm you quote the first line so when jesus says my god my god why have you forsaken me he's saying look at psalm 22 that's how i feel right now mm-hmm. i mean that that's a that's a profound thing he's saying everything that's going on in this psalm applies to me in my situation right now and when you think about the nature of that psalm this is david the man after god's own heart god's friend this man who who God promised to give the whole kingdom to, you know, to establish as a permanent kingdom that God loved, right? Like apparently God loves David. That's what we, we th- that's what we thought. And yet here David is experiencing suffering so profound that it's actually what Christ cites when he's on the cross for his own experience. And you start to realize, oh, even what David was going through, David's fr- God's friend it was actually the suffering of the cross came before it and David, God was giving David the privilege of experiencing what Jesus experienced so that David would know him better. And so the suffering that David endured wasn't because God wasn't his friend or God didn't love him. It was specifically because he was God's friend and God did love him and he was allowed to experiencing it. And that's, that's messed up like that'll mess up like that'll (laughs) when it's you and you're in the cave and your heart is poured out like wax and your bones are out of joint and they're casting lots for your garments i don't know how much comfort it is in that moment but the reality is god's bringing you there so you can understand him
0: it's disorienting you know suffering suffering is is disorienting it knocks us off balance because it's so, um, it, it is just so d- different than what we innately feel should be right and, and what we feel like we should experience. I want, I want to go back to that, um, what, you were, what you were getting out there, Nate, because the Bible paints a very, very graphic picture a very real picture that the Creator of God suffered and and we think of when we think of god's suffering again, the cross is what looms the largest in that picture, but the Bible for even before even before we get to Jesus in the New Testament, we see in the Old Testament the Hebrew scriptures, we see this picture of god's suffering, and so is it contradictory to talk about a sovereign God who is in control of everything also being a God who suffered? How, how do we reconcile um, this picture of our God's suffering?
1: I think about it even in my own life, in my own home, right? Like there's a, obviously <laughs> a small degree to which I am sovereign in my own home. But I still suffer for my kids. I do things that I don't want to do. I do things that cause me pain. I do things that are hard and challenging and difficult for the sake of my kids. Sometimes I even put my kids through things that are hard and challenging and difficult for them for their own good. Uh, So this idea that sovereignty means that you enjoy everything you do. That's not really a true view of sovereignty. God's sovereignty means he has the right, the power, and the authority to do anything that he wants. But some of those things cause him pain. And the fact that we have a God who wants to use his power in ways that are actually painful to him for the good of his people, of those he loves, that's, that's the mystery. That's the beauty. Um, and, and I think that's something that we can understand when we look at our own lives.
0: Andrew, what about you? What, when you think of that picture of, of God suffering, how do you make sense of that?
2: Well, I really resonate with what Nate said, um, especially just as a father. I think that's a, that's a helpful picture. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think to Nate's point, it's the, it's the mystery of the cross. Uh, it's the mystery of God's love for us that He would that He would choose to use all of His power and His authority uh, to benefit us at at the cost of Himself. I mean, it's it's Jesus' called to take up your cross and follow Me. That's not necessarily an explanation, but uh, yeah, I, I think that is that is the mystery, that is the glory. And
1: this is why He says in
2: John ten, right? Book.
1: No one takes My life. I was just uh, just saying that that's why in John, uh, John 9 and in John 10, Jesus talks about no one takes my life from me, right? I lay it down. So even as he talks about the cross, he talks about it in terms of his own sovereignty. No one can take this from me. I am not doing this because the world got one over on me. I'm doing this because I lay my life down. So even in my sovereignty, I'm choosing to suffer.
0: Yeah, Tim Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, he writes about this. He says, if God is out of control of history, then suffering is not part of any plan. It is random and senseless. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if God has not suffered, then how can we trust him? In other words, it is because God is all-powerful and sovereign that his suffering is so astonishing. If God were somehow limited or out of control, his suffering would not be yes. so radically voluntary to your point, Nate, and therefore not so fully motivated yeah. by love. That's why the sight of God's agony on the cross is so profoundly moving and consoling. And and, and I think, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you know, we see this throughout the Hebrew scriptures that, that God is so invested in the lives of the people that he loves, that their condition. Deeply, deeply affects it. You know, you think about Genesis 6 when God says that, you know, he saw the evil and he saw, you know, the way in which humanity had turned away from him and that, you know, he was grieved. He You know, he regretted that he had that he had created them, but that his heart was deeply troubled. His heart was grieved over their condition in Jeremiah 31, you know, talking about Israel's waywardness um, and their idolatry you know, God talks about their, his, his yearning for them, his grieving towards them. And so we see this picture of a God who, who is, you know, um, you know, clothed in majesty, who is a transcendent God, who is in complete control of everything, and yet a God who is, who is so deeply invested in humanity and in, in his creation, that he feels pain. He feels the effects of, of our condition. Um, and I think, again, that's why Isaiah 53 is, so, is such a powerful passage because, you know, Isaiah uses such um, a vivid and visceral language there uh, in talking about the suffering servant, that uh, it is, uh, in the words of Keller, profoundly moving and yet also consultant. So as we begin to bring this down um, to us, we, we've we've kind of touched on it at, di- at different points already, but let, let's drill down here. How does God work in and through us when we endure suffering? And that, that call uh, to endure suffering is... A particularly visible in the the New Testament letters, um, people who are going through a um, a myriad of different things in um, in in that first century uh, following Christ, that call to endure and to persevere through suffering and trials. How does God work in suffering? God work through us when we endure
1: suffering. I was just going to say one thing that he does when he causes us to endure suffering is he makes us part of the gospel itself. So he is putting us through the experiences of Christ, not just in isolation, but pulling all the members of his body in to suffer together when one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So together as the body of Christ, we endure suffering. It causes us to deepen our appreciation for him and his work. But it also calls us to be able to identify with the rest of the world who is also suffering. So we become ministers of the good news uh, through our suffering. We become examples, living examples of, Uh, So that people can see, oh, this is how Jesus suffers. Because I know that because I see how his church suffers. I see the joy with which they suffer. I see the hope with which they suffer. And we actually then provide hope to the rest of the world through our suffering. And that's part of, that's just part of gospel ministry. Um, We become part of the good news
2: when we suffer. And it's, it's predicated on the suffering of Jesus and then us identifying with him in that suffering that we can then take forward his message. Uh, the the yeah. example I was going to bring up is uh, from Romans 5, uh, just for, uh, just to anchor us in some scripture there, uh, that a- as we endure suffering, it produces in us perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. And so as we, Nate, to your point, as, the, as we, the body, suffer together, ways that Jesus suffered by laying our lives down for the good of others, um, that produces in us a perseverance that is unique. And that begs the question, why do you all live this way? Why do you suffer this way? And for what hope or for what end?
1: You know, and that's one of the things um, C.S. Lewis talks about in The Weight of Glory, right? That suffering just for the sake of suffering, like just denying yourself just as a just to do it, doesn't really have any benefit. Nobody... Just, you know, if I choose not to do something just to be hard on myself, uh, nobody else gets anything out of that, and there's not a lot of virtue in that. But when we suffer for the sake of love, when we give till it hurts, when we cry with those who cry, mourning with those who mourn, when we are standing up for injustices, suffering injustices ourselves, when we are doing these things for the sake of love, that that is where that's where there's merit and value and that those things become then an act of worship god's not interested in us being miserable right he doesn't do these things just because oh it's good for you guys to be sad sometimes (laughs) he wants us to be happy he wants us to enjoy life and so we don't invite these things into our life for no reason right that's why we don't flog ourselves or or um do self-punishment or self-harm the way uh some traditions do we don't we don't believe in those things because that's not what God wants out of us. Pointless suffering, just so that we can say we suffered. He wants us to suffer on behalf of other people because that's the way Christ suffered while Christ was here. Uh, they, they basically yelled at him for partying too much for being too happy for eating and drinking too much. Um, so that when he suffered, <laughs> it was for a point and for a purpose for the benefit of others. And I think, uh, that's a key element of our suffering as well.
2: Yeah, we've, we've referenced this scripture before, but uh, Hebrews, um, we, we see that Jesus' joy is bound up in that suffering. Yes. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So it's not, to your point, eight, it's not suffering for the sake of suffering, it's suffering for the sake of joy. If we want joy, if we want to know God, um, if we want to follow Jesus, we will pick up our cross and we will suffer the way he suffered. And in that, we will know the joy that Jesus knows. In obeying his father to the point of death.
0: There's uh, there's an image in the New Testament when talking about trials. It's this uh, image of a fire of a furnace, and it's it's a it's a continual <laughs> image that the apostles bring before people as a way to convey what's happening to us, what we're experiencing when we suffer. And there's a lot of different examples um, in the New Testament with that. But one in particular, First Peter 4, Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so there's this sense in which um, uh, as we are going through this fire, as we are going through this this furnace, this idea that um, that we are being tested that our faith is being refined and to, to what you said earlier, Nate is that that we, we begin to understand Jesus more than we would otherwise we, we learn um, I read something this week, you know, that said that, you know, Christ learned humanhood from his suffering, as as Hebrews five talks about, and and the flip is true for us that that we learn, you know, Christhood in a sense through our suffering, that we learn how to follow Jesus. We we become more and more the people that 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 God desires us to be through suffering, but. Um, I, I wanted to hone in on that idea of, of glory because that's something that continues in all of these passages that deal with Christian suffering. This is this 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 uh, this motivation for um, experiencing glory, the glory of God, participating in the glory of Christ. It is something that continues to come up over and over and over again, and so um I, what what are the writers of the new testament talking about there what what is that glory that we participate in that we experience when we endure suffering as jesus endured suffering well
1: we've talked about glory a lot in recent months but it's this idea of the manifestation of god's presence right like god's glory his physical presence is made known When we suffer, and that's because when we suffer, especially when we suffer and then participate in the suffering of each other, um, that allows us to actually make Jesus physically present. He's glorified when we suffer, and when we suffer together, and when we suffer on behalf of one another, Jesus is there. He's glorified. He's made manifest. The world can see him and see what he is because it sees us suffering as a body and that body being Jesus's body. And people are like, oh, that's what Jesus is like. There he is. I can see him. And that's glory.
2: Yeah. And I, I, just to expand on that, um, the notion that we can be um, brought into that glory in our suffering is that we we are able to participate in the godness of god by picking up our cross it's not just pick, it's not just the suffering component of it it's the loving others component of it it's the joy yes. uh, that was that was set before him you know so our participation in that glory in our suffering is we get to experience some of the love of god some of the joy of god in suffering for the for the sake of others
0: this harkens back to our conversation last week andrew in that idea of self-understanding and, and self-giving that as we, we experience the, the love of God in our own suffering, we experience the, the, the fatherliness of God in our suffering, we experience the fact that Jesus not only stands, uh, Jesus is not standing far off, but he's actually standing in our suffering with us. And because of that, we, we are then empowered to be able to give of ourselves. And, you know, and, and we've all experienced that in our own lives, that some of the people who have, who have ministered to us in, in some of the deepest ways, are people who themselves who have experienced in this amounts of suffering and pain in their lives. And they are people that, that God um, has equipped through that to be ministers of peace and to be ministers of love to others who need that in their own times of suffering and and pain. So to bring this down to our, our theme for this series and the cross, the cross gives us perspective to endure suffering in that we see God himself experiencing firsthand pain. We see God, who is sovereign over all, experiencing suffering on the cross. And the cross also empowers us, because through the cross, we have been brought into a relationship with God. We've been empowered uh, by the the Holy Spirit of God uh, in our lives and and with us in the midst of suffering. as we think about this particular moment that we're in and, and just all of the different things that people are experiencing right now, um, pain, suffering in, in a physical sense, the loss of a job, um, the, the isolation, the, um, the mental and emotional struggles that people are experiencing because of this. What are some thoughts and some encouragements for our people, specifically um, as they experience this moment in light of the cross, in
2: light of this discussion.
1: So one of the things that um, the, the apostles encouraged people with, even at times of extreme persecution, times worse than this, and this is, guys, this is a bad time. Like, let's not in any way minimize what we're going through as a people, as a church, as a nation. This is the worst thing in my lifetime. Um, I think this may be the worst thing in my parents' lifetime, <laughs> probably going back to the Second World War. This is this is about as bad as, as anything's been in a long time. So not minimizing what we're going through. But when you think about the New Testament, church and what they were going through in terms of persecution, in which families were being ripped apart, people were being thrown in prison, lit on fire as torches. When you read about the torture that the early church endured, and yet the apostles called it light and momentary suffering, even that, which is worse than what we are experiencing, is light and momentary. And on what rational basis could you ever say that to somebody? How could we ever look anybody in the eye and be like, hey, this horrible quarantine and all of the things that are going to come out of it, that's light and momentary. You can only say that when you compare it with the cross, because compared to the cross of Christ, everything is light and momentary. And that's what the encouragement that I think I have for our people is, is the same encouragement that Paul and Peter and everybody had for the early church which was to consider their afflictions as light and momentary, not because they didn't hurt, not because they weren't intense and painful and real, but instead because we were comparing them to what Jesus suffered and because our eyes were fixed on the cross. And if your eyes are fixed on the cross, you gain the perspective and the context by which to judge what's happening to you now. And so the best advice I have for any of you is think about Jesus and
2: think about the cross. Andrew, what about you? Um, yeah, I think uh, I just want to bring us back to Nate's s- starting point, so that we don't miss that suffering is not next level Christianity. That it is essential to knowing God, to knowing a suffering God. Uh, we have to know suffering, and so to the extent that we are currently experiencing suffering ourselves, or currently bearing up under the suffering of others, um, that that is the essence of knowing God. Um, to the extent that we're, we are uh, doing everything we can to avoid our own suffering or to avoid bearing up under the suffering of others uh, we are um, refusing an opportunity to know God and I just I think I just wanted to emphasize that it, it really is essential to knowing God it's not it's not uh, leveling up when we go through some level of suffering. I know it's easy to think at least I'll speak from my own perspective as a you know, white middle class, stable. You know, I've not, I've not myself endured a ton of suffering uh, in my life, and it's easy to think that um, you really level up when you go through some kind of suffering as a Christian or some kind of persecution, or you, you know, you endure some sort of thing. But it's, it's not. It's just, it's basic Christianity to know suffering, and so um, as we suffer together, as we suffer on each other's behalf, um, especially in this really difficult time where suffering is all around us, um, know that, that we are doing the things uh, of Jesus, that we are, we are identifying with Jesus in his suffering.
1: My additional encouragement to, especially to folks that are part of our North Soma Northwest community is just to, and I'm thinking of your faces as, even as I say this, you are really good at this and you're doing a good job. And I can hear it, I hear you um, empathize with one another. I see you being present with one another. I see you reaching out to people in pain. Um, I see you uh, endure your own suffering with grace. I see you invite people into your suffering and pain, and I see you carrying one another's burdens. So just by way of encouragement, as as one of your pastors, and I think you guys will probably echo this, you all are doing a very good job and be encouraged by that and do it all the more as the days darken and they're going to darken. And as this gets harder and it's going to get harder, keep doing what you're doing. There's not a new thing that you all need to be doing that somehow you don't know how to do. You've all done this. We've been doing this so well for so long as a people that take courage and comfort you're experts in this, and now is the time to continue practicing all of the beautiful things that have already been put in place by God's spirit, and and take heart. You're ready for this. You're prepared for this. Now's the time to bear each other's burdens and enter into the suffering, whether it's your personal suffering or your family suffering or the suffering of other people in your neighborhood or in our church. You're, you're ready for it.
0: I want to read... Um a passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, or to the Philippians, excuse me, here as we close. In chapter four, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you all. I got great comfort from these words as I read them this morning, and I think, you know, just by way of encouragement for those of you who are listening in this time, this is not original with me, but I look at this passage and I think, you know, who of us doesn't want peace that guards our hearts and our minds during this time? as we anticipate what's coming um in in the weeks and months ahead we are are it's natural for us to be anxious um and to, to live in fear but i think here paul is saying you know what we think about matters and that's why as we talk about the cross this isn't just some um yeah intellectual Thought experiment: um, the reality and the doctrines of the cross, the the things that we say we believe, they provide us peace during this time. When we think about the big questions of life, um, and we find those answers in the truth that God has provided us, there's comfort in that, and there's peace in that. Um, when we approach this time with thanksgiving, and I think it's interesting here that Paul says, you know in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, not make your requests and then wait for the answer that you hope God will give you and then be thankful, but be thankful beforehand as you're making those requests in knowing that God is in control and that it brings our expectations in line with God that aligns our heart with him and allows us to see this thing that we're going through from his perspective and then last you know um just if whatever is lovely um and to to Nate and Andrew's point um the experience of of loving each other of seeing and thinking about those things uh those people Uh, in our community that are loving us, those people who are sending us words of encouragement, those people because their affections for God are so great that they are loving other people. Um, Suffering brings us face to face with where our ultimate affections really lie. And I, again, want to just encourage those of you who are listening, who are a part of Soma Northwest that your presence during this reflects where your love and where your affections truly lie. And I've seen Jesus in you and so many other people have seen the love of Christ in you. Any closing thoughts here before we, before we pray and, and call it a day?
1: Just a reminder that this is what we signed up for. If you thought following Christ was not going to end in your death, then you were seriously mistaken. All of the language of Jesus in the New Testament is around the fact that we die. And Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives in me. Crucifixion is painful. There's no way to be crucified. That doesn't hurt. So even as we think about this time, if you thought you were getting it, if someone came to Christ through, I don't know, some other ministry or some other way in which they thought, Hey, this is all great. All my sins are forgiven. Everything's great. I'm going to get health wealth. I'm going to be really powerful. You know, I'm going to get power and name it, claim it and all of those things. If that's what you thought you were getting into um, I'm really, really sorry. Because that's not, that's not at all what the Christian life is. That's not what Jesus promised. Um, he promised a cross, as, as Bobby mentioned, that bids us to come and die. And that's going to hurt. The beauty is that we hurt together, that we will be in it together, just as we're in this moment together. Um, and I just want to encourage you all with that. This is what is supposed to happen, and it will be for our good and for our blessing.
0: This is the way yeah, this is the way there, there is no other way. guys, thank you, thank you for your time, and uh, those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in and we again, we hope that these discussions have been helpful as we move forward and and just new realities uh, continue. things are changing every week, and we're trying to be wise about how we shepherd and how we resource you um, how we encourage and challenge you during this time Um, we'll have some more things to come but um, that's it for us and that's it for this series on the cross let me close us in prayer lord jesus we know that you are standing in our pain with us that you are sharing in our sufferings with us. We know that other gods uh, have not been wounded, but our God has been wounded. And those wounds are the only wounds that can speak to our pain and our suffering. And so we are so thankful for the cross. We are so thankful that our hearts and our minds can be turned towards the truth and the beauty of such a horrific, horrific and evil act. We're thankful that in your sovereignty, what those meant for evil, you meant for good. And we are so grateful that we are beneficiaries of that. We thank you that one day, that death and pain and suffering will end that you will undo all the effects of evil, that you will uh, make right all of the wrongs of this world. And so we pray that that hope would strengthen us. We pray that it would encourage us. And we ask in this week to come that your hand of blessing would be on us, that you would protect us and that you would allow us to walk through pain and suffering and endure suffering. Uh, with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus so that others who see us will be able to say, I know what God is like because I see them and I know them and I know how they're walking through this. We will give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.